Side Hustle Show 345, the one where I have to answer to a millionaire business coach. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because nobody ever escaped the rat race standing still. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce a friend of mine, Jamie Masters, to the show. Jamie runs eventualmillionaire.com, where she's interviewed 500 millionaires. On top of that, she runs some premium mastermind programs and is a sought-after business coach. I've been trying to figure out the best way to get Jamie on the podcast for years, and I think we came up with something unique and hopefully compelling. In this episode, she's actually coaching me on a couple areas of my business, and in preparation for this, so she wasn't coming in completely cold, she took a look at the last 12 months of my business finances. She asked me to complete a time tracking study to see what I was actually spending my time on. And she asked both my wife and I for a five-year vision document. Like, where do we want to go? So if you want to hear what a millionaire coach thinks of my operations and what I could or should be doing differently, or just to hear the kinds of questions that come up, stay tuned. I think you'll find the insights applicable to your own business, no matter what level you're at. You'll find links to all the resources mentioned in this conversation at sidehustlenation.com slash Jamie. It's J-A-I-M-E. I'll catch you up with some of the actions I've taken since recording after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. So my number one question for you is what do you want to get out of this session? So I'm trying to figure out a path forward for the business to, it's hard to say, like to remove myself from some of the more mundane stuff, which I feel like I've done a decent job of, but I know there's room for improvement. Some members of a mastermind group of mine were really surprised with how lean I was running. And then the second piece is I'm working on creating a product of my own, which is the first time since to 2014, 2015 that I've attempted to do something like that outside of just Kindle books. That's huge. Okay. So we'll cover all those. The way that I like to work, and I had you do a bunch of stuff beforehand. So thank you for giving me the time on it, the perfect day, the visioning exercise. What I like to do in sessions like this is do sort of those short-term low-hanging fruit type things. So some of the stuff that you gave me, I have huge opinions on, right? So some of that aligns with what you're looking to do, which is great. And then we'll sort of set you up and tee you up for long-term also. So you know what's coming when and sort of have the idea would be about a three-month plan. So that way you can go, oh, okay, I know what rocks I need to work on and what those things are going to be most optimal to do now that will make it easier later. Does that make sense? Let's do it. Yay. Okay. So I love that I also had you and your wife do the visioning because I'm all in for making sure that couples are on the same page. And you guys pretty much said very, very similar things. One, that maybe she'll have quit her day job, which would be absolutely amazing, but also that it's pretty similar to what you're doing right now. So you guys are pretty gosh darn happy with your day-to-day life, right? Yeah, that was helpful too. So it was a little push from you and a little push from Brian Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUNK to really do this visioning exercise, which you never done this, you know, woo-woo stuff before. You know, just kind of, you're too caught up in the day-to-day, but it's actually really interesting to do that and sit down independently so we wouldn't taint the results. Because we talked about, I mean, it's not like a total secret, but we talked about it before and we're happy that we were pretty much on a similar page or on a similar path. 
the funny thing is you say woo-woo. So I used to also think the visioning was super, super woo-woo. <laughs> and then I started interviewing millionaires and it came up over and over and over and over again. So I started looking up the science behind it. It is ridiculous because I used to avoid it. So I'm so grateful that you actually took the time because even if it's just knowing that you're on the same page, it's huge. But science is now coming to fruition about the visioning side. So don't knock it till you try it, people. Just so you know, I was, I'm a convert. I <laughs> completely agree with it now too. But being able to know, one of the reasons why we have you do the perfect day is not only so that way you can get clarity on it, but also to see how close you are. This is the thing that was really cool is going, hey, you know what? There's a couple small tweaks that I can do on my perfect day that would actually make my perfect day right now. And it doesn't have to be in five years from now. There's small things that you could be doing. One of those things that you said, and so I asked myself sort of the question, what's stopping you from getting that perfect day right now? One of those things you said was less stress. So what does stress mean to you? What's stressful? Yeah, we should clarify the the perfect day vision was really similar to today because I truly love the work that I'm doing and even the amount of hours that I'm working, like I'm totally fine with that. You know, I work four days a week and have Fridays off with my with my son. But a calmer version of today was something that came up for both my wife and I, whether that was just like feeling less rushed. That's Tim Ferriss luxury to me is feeling unrushed. And this pressure of, I don't know, I mean, you probably deal with the same thing of like never really being done. It's like this, I forget the comedian, but like there's a joke about doing laundry. Unless you're doing it naked, you're never really done. <laughs> I feel the same way right. about this work. Like there's always more ideas to test out, experiments to run, posts to write, podcasts to record. And so that's been really challenging to come to terms with never really being done and being able to shut down and say, yeah, it's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there next week. So yeah, it's, we call it mind share. It's this underwriting stress of going, ah, there always is something. But like you said, that problem is not solvable. So the only thing we can change is internally, right? But what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you tactics. I'm not just going to give you mindset stuff, right? And the pieces of this, pulling some of that stuff off of your plate, especially the low level stuff, and you, you didn't have a ton of it, but I have some suggestions for you coming up. We'll start to loosen things. I was just on my mastermind that I run and she was like, I have time to think now. I haven't had time to think because I'm usually just doing. And she came up with a brand new promotion and it felt absolutely amazing. And that's that creative space, like you were saying, like that would feel amazing to actually have the space to be able to create again. I know you're constantly creating though. So to segue to this, it was kind of insane to see your time audit because you do have a lot of things automated. I know you don't have a crazy big team or anything like that. And you, you get a lot done and are very refined. That being said, more than half of your time is on content creation. And that was one of the pieces that came up. Now, I know this was a time when you were doing the book and stuff like that, and that might have been a separate project. But is that typical? Are you doing over 20 plus hours a week? It was like 22 hours a week on content creation? That is interesting because it was during the writing or the rewriting of the side hustle book where I was going through this exercise. So it did, did put a lot of time in that. But had I not been doing that, that time likely would have been spent creating blog content or creating podcast content. So it's kind of a substitute one for the other. A lot of energy does go to the content side. Definitely, which is amazing because you love your listeners, right? Like you can tell that the time and attention, everything goes through, which is wonderful. And when I was looking at the details though, like your final listen, you spent three and a half hours final listen to all the podcasts. That's three and a half hours in two weeks of listening to yourself talk, which is there anyone else on your team that we can have do that? Or do we have somebody for that? That is probably a 
perfectionist tendency to want to just to want to give it the the once over before you know it goes out to thousands and thousands of people. Are you willing to train someone so they have an eye that is good as yours to be able to do that? Because you were there, so you at least heard the pieces, right? You, of course, want somebody to check the editing and make sure nothing was missed or anything like that, but does it have to be you? It probably doesn't have to be, but there's a trust there for sure. Oh, totally. We don't, we don't send someone to the wolves and be like, ah, I guess it's good. Let's see how this goes, right? We definitely need to train them. That, that point makes a difference. But if we can save three or four hours off your chunk, the way that you talked about in, in a lot of the things that I had you write up was that you would love to do even more to help your listeners get better results. Like we were talking about the course that might be coming up pretty soon. And so being able to have that four hours spent on something that actually helps people even more, don't get me wrong, it could be the perfectionist tendency of like one little quick blip or whatever. I don't know what your process is for that, but I bet we could have somebody that does some a very, very similar job. And it's that letting go process, which we are horrible at as an entrepreneur. Just side, side note, most entrepreneurs are really, really bad at this because we have perfectionist tendencies. So I can raise my hand on this one too. And the only way you're going to create more time is to get better and better at letting go. Yeah, this is a, a weird one because now that we're talking about it, obviously there's an 80-20 to like, okay, if I'm going to listen to a 40-minute episode and trim 15 seconds, was that worth it? Yep. But at the same time, the show is my baby and it's like my primary traffic driver, primary audience engagement. So there, I agree with you. There's something that probably doesn't have to be me, but there's going to be some listening over the shoulder, at least at the start. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that because we were talking about before who would potentially be able to help you for something. So I, I also found a few other things. There was email that was quite a bit. There was a couple chunks. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of it, the content creation side, some of that definitely has to be you. I, I And I love that piece. But some of those small things can be given to somebody. So you were talking about hiring either an executive assistant or somebody that could take the podcast production. And I know you're a perfectionist. Don't worry. I know a lot of you, right? But which role do you think would be more important for you to really have somebody nail what that podcast production would be or to have sort of a right hand that sort of runs everything else for you? This is the, this is the problem of trying to find somebody who could do everything in it's probably not realistic. So it might be a couple different people. Maybe one is that executive assistant, production assistant type of role. And then maybe somebody else is, maybe their expertise is just in writing and they can help create some of the written content. And uh, what about the podcast production? So are, you're not the one editing or are you the one editing? No, there's an editing service. Okay, great. But you feel like listening that final time, you still have them cut it down? Uh, no, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> I love it. So the editing service, that's good. But wait, I need to do more. Okay. So there is an 80-20 to, to that piece. Okay. If you were to look at hiring an executive assistant, because I have your time audit, and I would highly recommend doing another time audit and really outlining what those pieces are and pulling from some of this on what we get that started with. But you're exactly correct. One of the things I see wrong all the time, and I can't say anything because I did this also, is I hired someone thinking that they were going to be a jack of all trades and amazing like me right? Like, oh, they can do it all too, right? <laughs> no, it's so not good. And you will hurt yourself in, in pain trying to get them to do all that because we entrepreneurs or, or side hustlers are just a little crazier than the rest, right? So finding somebody that can do an executive admin task very, very well that is an opposition of you is really important, especially because as you grow, 
you can only juggle so many balls. I know you're good, but you can only juggle so many balls. And so that slightly calmer thing usually doesn't happen the more you grow. Usually it gets slightly crazier, right? And a little bit more stressful because now you're trying to handle a little bit too much. And that's what we're trying to do. Remove that so that you're not the only one responsible for absolutely everything because that's the piece that really starts to weigh down on you as an entrepreneur and can make it not fun, not as fun coming to work. Does that make sense? Yeah. And even though I've been through this before and hired virtual team members before, this is one where I'm having a hard time really defining the scope of the role. So curious what your process, what your job description might sound like for that. Oh, we have a whole hiring kit that we can give you. So I'll give you the job descriptions and you can actually post those for for free for your people too, if anyone is hiring that too. But before we get into the actual description, how many hours do you think you would want them for? Like looking at your sheet, you probably only have maybe 10, maybe 20 at the most hours a week. But think of the things that you know you want to be doing that you haven't been able to do also just because of the time. Sure. It's like if you commit to somebody on the clock for 20 hours a week, I'm sure you could figure out something to send them. That's usually the plan. You don't want to pay them for sitting there, though that's fun. (laughs) Yes, it's a really great exercise in you learning to be a better business owner and and delegating correctly. And that is a skill set, people. Like, please understand, these are all learning. So when I was asking you questions about where you want to go in the future, it was really interesting. You weren't like, "I, I don't want a big team. It wasn't about the team members. So you just having somebody that is an amazing, I call it a right hand, right? Because my my right hand, she's amazing. She does everything for me. She's detail-oriented. She runs the contractors. Like I don't have the stress and responsibility because I trust her with my, I'd rather have somebody cut off my right hand than take her, right? And everybody tries, seriously, because she's amazing. And so being able to invest yourself into somebody and their growth will be worth its weight in gold later once you're through that process. So usually when we hire somebody, we want to hire them and give them enough so that way maybe they can even be a full-time member. Do you think you ever want a full-time executive assistant? Yeah, it could get there eventually. Okay, You could hire one now, looking at all your numbers. You could totally hire one right now. And we would give them things to do, just as a side note, just so you know my professional opinion. Okay. What I want to do now is start to pull back a little bit and start going, okay, what projects do we have and what do we actually want to start doing? Because that's the other piece. When you don't have a team, we talk about speed of implementation a lot. And I think you saw that on the time audit. And we'll, we'll put the time audit out there for everybody with no opt-in required to if you want to do exactly what I made Nick do. But the time audit will start going through what you're actually doing. The goal, though, and this is what comes up over and over and over again from millionaires, is it's the speed of implementation that makes a difference. So it's how long does it take me from the start of something to I see a result or I see a a failure that I can get feedback from and then switch, how fast can we make that? And when we don't have a team, all eyes are on you, right? And you're like, okay, how fast can I get that course out? How fast can I do the book? How fast can I do everything myself? And that's about optimizing or automating as much as you can. But if you have a team, it can start to be a little bit more exponential. Yeah. And sometimes it feels... Like everything's firing and other times it feels like it's so painfully slow. Just get caught up in the weekly content commitments where it's it's been hard to like build a podcast buffer, for example, to free up the bandwidth to work on the book, to work on the course where it's like, you know, these longer term projects. And so then that's when it feels like the speed really slows to a crawl and is frustrating. Exactly. And that's what we want to prevent because that slowdown 
it's not fun, but it's also that your business isn't making the pro- you're not doing what you want most, which is really affecting your listeners' lives, right? And then it's like, oh, so I'm just doing the bare minimum. Oh, but I could be doing so much more, right? And that's where we get stress, which is funny. You'd think that stress would be too much of amazing progress. No, it's usually like, oh, I'm not doing the things that I really want to be doing. Yeah, it's kind of like maintenance mode versus growth mode. Yeah, exactly. And we are entrepreneurs. We love growth probably too much, (laughs) right? So if it's stagnant, it doesn't feel right. So when we're looking at your schedule, though, you said you take Fridays off, but it looked like you were working about 40 hours a week. So are you doing 10-hour days and then taking Friday off-ish? Ish, usually eight to five. Some days are a little lighter. So when we're looking at what you actually have for content creation, you had 13 hours for the book, by the way, and then the other made up of the 40 was the podcast and the blog. Now, the content that you're creating, is there anything that you already know that you could be doing to optimize that right now? In what way? To make it so either it's faster, like batching, or potentially writing shorter things or longer things, right? Doing doing things that you've, you're smart, you've heard a million people try and tell you how to optimize and do better at content, right? So is there anything that you're like, oh, you know what I should really do? I should really do this, or I should cut this out. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster, and 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors, and what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So there have been a handful of, of evolutions over the years. Number one is semi-batch recording. So you typically will only take meetings and recordings on Tuesday, which has freed up a lot of bandwidth the rest of the day. Regarding written content, when I started out, I was like typing myself blue in the face, like trying to get out two posts a week. And it was just like, for what reason? And a lot of this stuff was like, 
seven things I learned from blah, 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 like kind of fluffy pieces versus the hard hitting tactical, like case studies and monster list posts that the Side Hustle Nation blog has kind of become known for. Like the content that I spent a ton of time writing at the beginning got nowhere, like no traction, no traffic. So that kind of quickly realized like, okay, you don't need to push out a post every Monday just for the sake of, of publishing a post, like wait until you have something good to write. And then the second piece of that, not everything needs to be in exactly my voice. So I've hired a handful of different ghostwriters starting last year to kind of create some of these posts that I didn't need to write myself. And that's been helpful because some of those are starting to rank in, in Google and pulling traffic. Yay. Okay. So the what you're doing right now, how many posts a month are you doing? Maybe two on average. Okay. And how many of them are written by somebody else? Probably one. It ebbs and flows. So it's not like, okay, here's the schedule. Every two weeks, we're going to have a post. So I just published a monster post on passive income, which was a ton of fun to write. It was like 7,000 words that just flowed out of the fingertips and it, it didn't feel like work at all. Other times, this has been on my to-do list for weeks and weeks and weeks and I just am procrastinating on it. Like, okay, that's a sign to bring on the ghostwriter to, to help fill in the blanks there. <laughs> Pulling teeth here. You can take this one. Okay, so do you have a content calendar? Like, do you know what the next six months-ish are or do you really go by feel based on what you kind of feel like doing now? There is no content calendar. Okay. Great. So let's talk about, have you ever heard of, I call it a master schedule. Have you ever done something? The one thing calls it time blocking or something like that. There's a whole bunch of different ways, but have you ever done that with your, with your calendar? No. Yay. All right. So you're kind of already doing pieces of it, mostly because you've got Tuesdays are your batch days, right? That's what I do too. I batch all my podcast content on one day. You only have to set up once, all sorts of fun stuff. But imagine taking that and doing it for the rest of your week. So what we want to do is we want to optimize what that three month, those big rocks for each month, along with your schedule, your actual schedule, like, oh, Tuesdays, I do this. Wednesdays, I do this. Thursdays, I do this, right? So if I were to ask you, and I could give you resources, and I can give it to everybody that's listening to you on the master schedule and exactly how to do that because we have a template, but to walk you through pieces of it right now, what does a typical week look like? I know Tuesdays are batch days for podcasts, but what else do you have? Do you have a Monday specific meetings or tell me about what it typically is? Monday is typically editing the, not editing, but like finalizing the podcast. So that means kind of scripting and recording the intro and outro. If I have any episodes that I recorded the previous week, it means doing that final listen, usually from the editors, making sure the show notes are good to go. And then in the afternoons, I have it blocked off for writing time. And so Sometimes that's blog writing, sometimes that's book writing, that's course outlining, whatever it is. But usually the afternoons on Monday are blocked off for writing time. Wednesday mornings is time spent on my other side hustle project. This is my virtual assistant review site. So that's kind of a two to four hour a week commitment there. And then afternoons on Wednesdays are kind of like admin slash catch up time. So for example, last week was paying quarterly taxes and just kind of like making a dentist appointment for the kid, kind of just day-to-day management stuff of, of life. And then Thursdays are kind of earmarked for growth projects. Like, okay, here's the book or, you know, marketing, testing out a new marketing campaign or creating this course. And I also have a mastermind meetings around midday Thursdays. Okay. So you're primarily doing something that's like a master schedule. It's not 
nitty gritty. And don't worry, most entrepreneurs are not willing to go like every 15 minutes, I have to do something different. But chunking them is perfect. So when we're looking at how much time you actually have for growth projects, though, is we're not we're only talking about a few handful of hours a week. So no wonder why you're not feeling like you're getting ahead of things, right? Yeah. So really, it would be Thursdays and in between gaps on Tuesdays, if there are any, and then in between gaps Wednesday afternoons, if there are any. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you want right now? So is every, if I were to have you judge your week, are you doing exactly what you would want to be doing, especially when you think of that perfect day or five years out? Is this the schedule that you would want or what else would you change if so? There's probably, I mean, there's always room for improvement. If there was more time, I don't know, it's hard because it's like there's a comfort in doing what's known, what's easy, and a discomfort in doing like, well, I've never done this before. Let's, And sometimes that's super exciting. Like I remember having just an awesome time editing some active campaign review video last summer. It was like learning this software and I don't know, it was just, it was a blast. But there's this other point of like, well, how do I launch this? How do I market this? How, you know, what would somebody better do in this situation? And, and, and that's kind of fun too, like that growth mode, not just business growth, but like mental growth, like learning something new is really cool. Yeah. We like to stay within our little comfort zone unless somebody pushes us, right? Which is why you have a mastermind, which is why, right? It's, you were saying before, they told you, you should probably hire someone. They probably told you that before. I also told you that the last time we chatted and you're like, ah, oh. but when it is outside of the scope, it's like, I don't even know what the pieces are. So it's way easier just to avoid and just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And it's hard. It's like the pain of inaction isn't that bad. It's like life is honestly pretty good. So it's like this weird, like we were talking with Paul Jarvis earlier this year and he's like, eh, it's good enough. I'm happy. And so it's kind of like going back and forth. And that, that really should be what we're striving for as humans. Just so you know, I'm not saying growth for growth sake in any way, but I also know that fine tuning what you're doing so that way you can be in flow a lot more and you do have more time for the things that you want and not boring admin stuff or you did a lot of emails or, you know what I mean? And I, I looked through your list and we probably have a good five to 10 potential hours that we could be giving to someone already and even just the responsibility. So I'm looking at, even if you did have a growth project for your book, you could be having your admin and actually doing the research so that way everything is prepped and ready to go when you sit down on Thursday. You have everything that you potentially need, right? So small things like that really will make a difference just on your on your mind share of how much you still have to do and those little tasks make a difference. So the master schedule, you have most of the pieces, but what I want to do is start trying to optimize and figure out what we're changing on it that will make the biggest difference. So I can start figuring out this three-month plan for you a little bit better. So question, have you ever done any strengths assessments like Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessment, the Colby index, any of those? Years and years ago, I'm a INTJ maybe. Does that sound right? Okay. That does sound right. Okay. I'm going to have you take a DISC assessment. Uh, you could do Colby too. Colby's 50 bucks-ish. DISC assessments are free. But what we're trying to do is really find out how you work best. Because whoever we get for an executive admin for you, we want them to complement your skills. So most likely, we want somebody super detail-oriented that can really make sure they're checking all the dots and all that fun stuff. But I need to know what type of person you are first. Because sometimes, if you're the type that is a perfectionist and is really detail-oriented, you might not even need that piece. You might need somebody else sort of in, the, in a different role, which is why you were sort of going back and forth like, well, who do I, do I need an executive admin or do I need this? Like, who do I hire, right? So first, before you figure out who the type of person it is to hire, you want to know who you are 
So that way you can find somebody that actually compliments you. We don't want to find a, a clone, even though I know we all say that we want a clone. You really don't, just so you know. I don't want five of me. Because a lot of the times you, you want to make sure that the gaps that you have, they're making up for. So I'm going to have you take a DISC assessment, and I'll explain it a little bit more. We can put links out to, like I said, it's for free. It's really telling you what type of personality you have. So a D is a very dominant. I is like somebody who's really personable. S and C are more on the processes and procedures. And so me, I'm a DI. I am like salesperson. I love people, all that fun stuff. My S and C are horrible. So I need that gap filled. So we're going to have you take that test. And Leilani's a DSC, so she's she's also really good. So she compliments me really, really well. That's what we want to do first, okay? And like I said before, I'll send you the job description that we had. I'll actually send you the exact one that I used to get her, just as a side note, the one that worked really well. So you'll have that then too. And we'll post all this stuff on, on the show notes too. Definitely. So that way everyone can take a look. But then what we'll do is we'll refine that job description just based on a little bit more of what your time audit said. So the stuff that you're like, oh, I have to engage with the community. There's a whole bunch of different little things that we can just sort of start to pull off. We can also potentially have them do the final listen, but only after you train them if we think that that's part of a skill set that, that we can get from them. Otherwise, we'll have to find someone for that specific thing, like you said, for the podcast side. But that's what we're trying to do is just go, what gaps do we have? And that way we can start to look for that person. So when we're looking at that, that should clear up a few hours off of your master schedule. And what you were telling me before is, I know you did a survey to everybody, you really, really want to be able to serve your audience best. But you also said, I want to do my own product. I don't know about SEO. I could be doing affiliate stuff. There's so many things, there's so many projects that you could be doing. And normally what I would have someone do is, is make a brain dump of all of those projects. So that way we could sort of organize and prioritize. But it sounds like you already have some things in the next three months and we don't have enough time to sort of go over all the pieces. So I know you said in August, you have the course coming out. I know I might be the first one that's telling everybody this right now, but you have that. What else is coming up that you already have pre-planned for, for June, July, August, September, and the next few months? That's really it for right now, is trying to figure out what the content of that course is going to be and then how to, how to get it in the hands of the right people. So, and you've done a course, you said, back in 2014 or a while ago, so you know what that process looks like-ish? Ish. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the advantage of interviewing a ton of online entrepreneurs and course creators. You kind of see what everybody else is doing, what's working, and of course, mastermind members as well. And on top of that, so this is through Teachable. And so you've got Teachable's entire database of users to kind of ping best practices against. Which is wonderful for a perfectionist because you're going to go, but I have to do it. So there's so many things, right? Yeah. And that was like on their webinar. It was like, you look, here is the eight day email launch template sequence. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. This works. We've tested it. Like, okay, perfect. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, it's just like, makes life easier. <laughs> just tell me what to do. That's why we have so many templates. It's so hard to stare at a blank screen, right? But if you just have something, even like the job description, just work off of, it's a million times easier. What I would do, though, if I were you and you're willing to pull the trigger, is I would pull the trigger on hiring an executive admin before the course. Imagine, and I remember my first, I'll tell you a little quick story because I remember <laughs> I was hiring VAs before and this was many years ago and my business coach was like, Jamie, you really need to hire somebody that's really dedicated to you. Ideally 20 to 40 hours. If you can find someone that's at least like all in on your business, that'd be amazing. Maybe a mom or maybe someone that only wants to work part-time. 
And I was scared. And I was like, I know, but like a VA, if not their sole income and all, you know what I mean? All those other pieces that come up when you're trying to do it. And then I went through the process with her and I went, oh, should I hire this person or should I not? And she goes, if you don't hire her, I will. She sounds amazing, right? So I ended up hiring this woman. Her name's Kendra. She worked for me for many years. She actually owns her own agency now. She learned so much. She's a rock star and I absolutely adore her. And she revolutionized my business. My business doubled in just a few months because of her, right? Because I finally had the responsibility shared <laughs> instead of everything falling on me, especially because my S&C on the disc assessment aren't that great. So things as they got more and more and more started slipping through the cracks a little bit more. And I felt like I was always falling behind. I was on like one of the hamster wheels going, and it's never ending, right? So as soon as we can have somebody that can really, that you can also train in the way that you like it, start pulling things off your plate, then you can get more excited about those new potential projects. It sounds helpful <laughs> versus, because I have items like we talked about, you know, they just sit on the to-do list for weeks or months. And at a certain point, you have to realize like, oh, it's it's only going to be you who moves it forward. Or otherwise, it clearly wasn't a priority, so why don't you just cross it off? Yeah, which is totally great if you're a side hustler or a freelancer. Like, everybody has to do that for everybody does. And you, right now, Nick, are at a point at which you can continue doing this because it's comfortable, don't get me wrong. But it's more fun. <laughs> just so you know, I love working with people. To me, it is way more fun to be able to just have one other person that you can really rely on and do that stuff. Plus, you're feeding their family too, potentially. And that's an amazing feeling as a side note too. And I know it's still scary, but let's actually start bulking out what you have in June. So if you're normally doing 10 to 20 hours in content creation a week, we've only got 20-ish hours extra anyway, right? Well, so now that the book is done, some of that can be shifted over. Okay, great. So how many hours a week are you planning on working on the course until it launches? So have June earmarked for outlining and kind of scripting. I have July earmarked for actually filming and creating. And then August is kind of the, the marketing phase. Great. Where are your gaps in those? Do you already know how to do pretty much all of these pieces or do you have people to lean on on those gaps? Well, I have the advantage, at least on the marketing side, of a built-in audience, which is something that not everybody has. So that's that's a huge plus. Filming, because I've done like free mini courses and, you know, so I'm comfortable creating that kind of content. It's just time consuming to, to get all the ideas out of your head, organized in a way that makes sense, that is going to deliver results and actually, you know, physically create it. It's a lot of work, right? I don't think people understand what it takes to go through. Question, do you work better by batching stuff? So let's say you did a three-day weekend where you just went somewhere and created this whole course and did the filming and editing and all that fun stuff in a weekend. Would that sound fun? Or do you like the time, the longer time? Yeah, the. I think once it's all written, I think it'll be relatively fast to film. And then, you know, could spend a longer time editing and slicing it up. But I don't know that I would do well under like, okay, 72 hours, let's not sleep and let's pound the Red Bulls and let's knock this out. Some people work better that way. That's why I was asking. That's awesome. So do you already have your film and everything set up in July? Yeah, it'll just be at home. Oh, okay. So you're doing it internally? Yeah. Or not internally, but with your own stuff? Yeah. Wow. Okay. No wonder why that's time consuming. Have you thought about hiring somebody on that side to be able to help you out? 
No, <laughs> it's, not, it's not crossed my mind. Really? Well, whatever I've done is it's just been standing in front of the webcam or voiceover PowerPoint, where it's like, I can just do that here. Yeah, no, I'm not saying you can't. Don't get me wrong, because uh, <laughs> you will. But there are a lot of options out there that might be able to help you out with some of this stuff. Okay, but it really is where your, where your zone of comfort is and what you're willing to get pushed on, right? So it sounds like you're willing to get pushed on the executive admin. So give me the timeline. When, when would you actually like to pull the trigger on hiring an executive admin with all the stuff that you already have going on? I mean, I can create a job posting this week and realistically... By the end of the month, you have some candidates to review and maybe have interviewed and have a decision. That's a couple weeks out. Let us know if you need anything. The hiring kit that we're going to give you, it's it's a paid product in general, but we'll give it to you. So that way you can go through, there's what questions to ask, how many interviews to do, all sorts of fun stuff. It was all from the millionaires in our hiring process that we've been using for a long time. So lean on Leilani. Like if you don't know who to hire, feel free to chat with us because we've done this a million times before. And it's the cost of a, of a bad hire, which is probably one of the reasons why you're also like, I don't know, right? Because you don't have the skill set on hiring. So please, please, please lean on us to make sure that this first one's good. Because I don't want you to come back later and be like, Jamie told me to hire this person and I, it was horrible, right? We really want to make sure that they're the right fit for you before you hire so you don't have to learn those painful mistakes that way too, okay? Well, you always have to look internally. It's like, well, I know I'm not the world's best boss, or at least over the past 15 years have not been. So it's trying to set somebody else up for success with the processes and like you said, kind of matching the skills and personality that so they're complementary. A million times, yes. And, and don't get me wrong, ask us. But there's also, it's funny that you say, I don't know how to be the best boss. There's a great book by Gino Wickman called How to Be a Great Boss. Okay. Just so you know. And, it, and you're right, it's a skill set. And hopefully it'll be fun and interesting to you. I know I'm pushing you a little bit on this, but hopefully it'll be really fun and interesting to you to learn about this side of things. Because it does, it does take a little while. You will actually have to give them more time up front. When you do have that first hire, I say you have to have at least an hour every single day with them for the first month and everyone's like, what? That's so much time, right? But if we can actually train them the way that you like to do things, then they can take it and run after three months. And then you can, that speed of implementation that I was talking for before gets to shorten and shorten and shorten. And then that progress that you were saying sometimes just feels like you're stuck in the mud, that progress can keep churning because you get to do the stuff that you're really good at and they get to do the other stuff. And that's what we're looking for. Sounds good to me. Don't worry, I wrote that down too. So we'll send you you a link to what that is also. So it looks like in June, all we have is outlining and scripting, the job posting and starting to try and get some candidates. And we can tell you the best places to post and all that fun stuff too. July, and it's also summer, so I'm sure you would like to enjoy summer with your family with a little less stress. So to wrap some of this up, and we're going to write all this stuff down and, and send it to you so it's all pretty and formatted and all that fun stuff. But to wrap it up, the question going back to having it be more calm. This is something that I see often. Part of it is innate in entrepreneurship, like I said before, and the other part is how we deal with stress. So you tell me, how is your sleeping? How is your eating? I know you have baby. Like, How is everything in general, personally? Diet and health-wise generally is pretty good. I know I sound a little bit stuffed up today. Sleep could be better. It's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole with these kids. You know, One will start sleeping well, and then the other one will start freaking out at night. So that is a variable, but I don't feel like it's, I don't like, I feel like, hey, we're three years deep into it. We're kind of used to it. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a huge hindrance right now. One thing that I've started to do this month and the previous month is like 
trying to beat them up in the morning, not, not like physically beat them, but like wake up before them and like do my meditation, do my workout, try and just get a little bit of a proactive head start on the day. And that has made a positive impact. It doesn't happen every day because I mean, it's like an arms race. They keep, they keep getting up earlier and earlier, but that's been a positive development. Awesome. Is that something that you want to keep? Is that like Miracle Morning-ish, like how I'll rod that book? Yeah, it's not to the full extent that, I forget Hal's acronym, it doesn't go to those lengths, but just kind of, okay, like I've done something proactive for for myself versus like what I would previously do is like get back from dropping our son off at school and then do the workout and the shower and all that stuff. And it would take an hour out of working time. So this without any extra overhead because we're tired at the end of the day anyway. We're going to bed roughly at the same time. So you're just getting a head start on the day. Yeah, instead of constantly feeling behind. So if you do get started later, that to me, that's the whole point of the miracle morning or whatever. I can't do all the things that he does either. <laughs> I know he's kind of crazy in that, but whatever works best for you. The one quick thing that I wanted to mention in regards to that and just stress in general, are the way that we look at it really does make a difference. There's a great book called The Upside of Stress. And it really goes into the science behind belief and how we feel about stress, which is kind of interesting. So you've probably heard of the placebo effect. I'm assuming most of, most of the people listening might have heard of the placebo effect, right? Yes. Okay. And so I'll explain it really quickly. If they give you a sugar pill, a sugar pill is just sugar. It doesn't mean anything, but you say it's going to solve all your problems, right? It is more likely that it actually will. Like they actually, for medical pharmaceuticals, the placebo effect is completely real. We can give a sugar pill and it's almost as effective as whatever the drug companies are actually making in many instances, which is kind of insane, right? That being said, the thing that I found really interesting is the nocebo. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. So the opposite of that is also true, right? So the nocebo is if I give you a sugar pill and I tell you it's poison, or cyanide, you will get sick. And so what we've been conditioned as humans is that stress is bad and feeling behind the eight ball and rushing around and all this sort of stuff is not good for us. And what the book, The Upside of Stress, really talks about when you when you specifically said, I want a calmer life, right? The Upside of Stress really talks about the way that you look at the stressors that you're under. Because as we talked about at the very beginning, you can't change the fact that you're never going to get it done. We're humans, right? Or business owners, you're like, that is improbable that you will ever get it all done completely. Even if you sell your business pretty much just when you're dead, then everything will be done. But how do we manage that in the meantime and how we look at it makes a huge difference. So I highly recommend grabbing that book though too, because when we start looking at your five-year plan, if you can learn the pieces of that mindset-wise now, that's going to make your entire life easier the next five years, even with kiddos waking up in the middle of the night, which I totally get. I have two kiddos too. But I wish I had that information when my children were young. I did not. So I was running around like a chick with my head cut off, probably more than I needed to, and feeling like it, I wasn't totally present with them. And I'm so grateful that I found that now. So that's why I wanted to mention it. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you for that. I'll definitely check it out. Really cool. One thing about entrepreneurship is it really is the evolution of you as a human, right? You get better and better and better at those things. And I think that's one of the gifts of being a side hustler or whatever it is. You're finding what gaps you need to get better and better as a person. And it makes you a better person overall, over everything. That's the hope anyways. <laughs> try try and do. I've been at this stuff for, for a long time. The other thing is you're never going to be perfect, which I know you've heard before. It's way easier to say than it is to actually internalize. But just so you know, there are 
perfectionist tendencies and all the things that you sent to me, which sometimes is a gift and sometimes will make you feel unfulfilled and, and crappy. And I'm not saying that you do, but I'm just saying that mitigating that and, and really diving into that is really, really important too. So thank you, Nick. I'm going to go through, I'm going to send you your June, July, August, part of September, the hiring kit, along with the disc assessment. So you can take that, the links to how to be a great boss and the master schedule. I'm also going to add in, we have a whole thing on nootropics and how to tap into flow. That thing when you were saying, I just sit there and I don't feel like doing any of it. There are some tactics that you can use to tap into flow to try and make that a little bit easier on your writing side if you haven't heard of some of that stuff before too. But that way, we'll get that admin in. And I think a lot of those pieces, I I seriously think when I was looking at all your stuff, you can have your five-year plan in the next three months. It's really cool to see what you're doing. Well, that's exciting. And we'll link all this stuff up in the show notes and I'll be sure to report back on the results too. Definitely. I'm going to follow up. I am one of those coaches. Just a warning, Nick. I will follow up. We'll have Leilani actually follow up most likely with you. And she is relentless. So you'll have to let us know if you have any questions in the meantime and how it goes, okay? I don't doubt it. Thank you. Awesome. So what happened after this recording? My homework was to begin recruiting for this executive assistant role. Someone that would kind of have editor-in-chief or content management responsibilities as well. The first thing I did was actually to take the DISC assessment that Jamie recommended, that's D-I-S-C. And at first, I was a little surprised by the results because D-dominance was the highest scoring category, and I definitely don't see myself as a super dominating personality. But the secondary category was nearly as high, and that was C, compliance. And combined, the descriptions of the DC personality type actually sound really accurate. Here's a quote from the website. You have a strong inner motivation to assertively create and implement new ideas. You handle pressure well. You strive for excellence and expect others to do the same. You are innovative, but tend to avoid risk-taking. That's the end of the description. And that sounds like me. So I'll link up the free DISC assessment website for you in the show notes. Again, at sidehustlenation.com slash Jamie, J-A-I-M-E. So after that, I used Jamie's template to create a job description for what I envisioned for this role and recruited applicants in a couple ways. First, I included it as a PS in my regular weekly newsletter. Like, hey, if you're going to scroll all the way down to the bottom, first of all, you're going to open this, then you're going to scroll all the way down to the bottom. Like maybe you'd be a qualified candidate. It was like, hey, PS, I'm hiring. Do you know this person? And then I linked up the job description, which was just a Google Doc. And second, I posted it on Facebook, both in the Side Hustle Nation group And on my personal account, a few friends picked it up from there and shared with their groups. And my reasoning for that, for doing those two things, was that I wanted to start with my own network. What kind of applicants could I get from within the Side Hustle Nation community? Because it would be an advantage if the person was already somewhat familiar with my work. In total, I got more than 50 applicants and joked with Jamie, look, I need an assistant to help me choose an assistant, but was able to screen those down and interviewed a handful of the ones that stood out to me and am moving forward with trial tasks with a couple of those. By the time this airs, I hope to have a hiring decision. So a little bit slower than what I imagined on the call, but but making progress. And on the course creation front, I did complete outlining the course in June, like we talked about, and actually used the first part of July to pre-sell it to a small segment of the Side Hustle Nation audience. This wasn't something that was part of the original plan, but decided this could be good for validation and actually to get some 
students taking action on the results and hopefully seeing some results from that material before opening it up to a broader audience. And as of recording this, I'm still filming the course, but it'll be ready for those pre-sale students by the time this airs. And if you want to be the first to hear about when it does open to a broader audience, be sure to join the interest list at sidehustlenation.com slash hustle 101. Hopefully this was a thought-provoking and insightful episode for you. Definitely curious to hear your take on it. Let me know. Sidehustlenation.com slash Jamie is where you'll be able to add your comments and find links to all the resources mentioned. And of course, eventualmillionaire.com is where you'll find Jamie's home base and check out everything she's got going on over there. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where I cover the dark side of The Side Hustle and 19 other listener questions in another round of 20 questions with Nick. I'll see you then. Hustle on.